I have ADHD, and now I have branding. Tastes like fried chicken. Broadcasting from the roof of the new parkade, I'm building on land that was once the village of Africville in downtown Halifax. This is Taste Like Fried Chicken. Another heater from the burner, sparking light of fluid. If you could find a crew that's any how to find the do it. Now what kind of music echoes through the catacomb? Home is where the heart is, so the heartless never had a home. Hey, people, this is Taste Like Fried Chicken number 36 uh, with Rashani. Thank you so much for coming out, Rashani. Really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, this was recorded December 7th, 2000. 2003, and we had a great talk. Uh, I really like Rashani. Uh, you guys should all follow him at Rashani, R A S H A N N I I. And uh, yeah, he's a great follow. He's a really fantastic guy. He records uh, the Dream Team. He records single simulcast. He's a he's he's a really cool dude. Um, and yeah, it was really cool talking to him. Um, I won't even uh, bother talking about it too much. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, we are presented by the Chonilla.com network. They have some new premium material out. They have uh, some fantastic deals going. You guys got to check it out. Uh, Chonilla.com. You can check out TastesLikeFriedChicken.com. Uh, www.TastesLikeFriedChicken.com. Nobody says the W's anymore. Sorry about that. Um, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate everything, guys. This is another episode without chill. Hopefully she will be back soon. I miss her. Can't wait to talk to her again. Um, but until then, I hope you guys enjoy. Um, it's kind of weird to tell you the truth. Doing the show by myself. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to have the same sort of appeal for people, but... Bear with me, please. I appreciate your patience. Um, you can get a hold of me at Captain O-Dog on Twitter. You can get a hold of us at Owen and Chill on Twitter. At Chill in Miami is Chill's uh, Twitter. And um, the show email, should you choose to do that, is Owen and Chill at gmail.com. And you can leave a voicemail, 1-888-288. Oh, wait. one 888 Fuck, I can't even remember it. You know what? Don't worry about it. Nobody's leaving voicemails anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, we are definitely going to be um, trying to make this more regular. I know it's uh, crazy how I post uh, not for a month and then I'll put up two, but it seems to be the way that it needs to happen. I just can't get at it uh, in little pieces. I will try to get better at that. But uh, with all that crap said, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, yeah, that is it. Enjoy the show. I am such a spaz. I don't know why I never remember this. The song is going to be um, I Love a Girl by Decisive from Vaudeville, Friends Forever. Thank you. Hello? Yo. Hey, Rashani, what's up? Nothing much. How are you? I'm good, man. It's great to uh, talk to you finally. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. Oh man, no, I appreciate you being on. It uh I I apologize for last weekend who had a, a vomit explosion I had to deal with. So I thank understand. you so much Come, for coming back on, man. No problem. I'd I'd much rather it be a vomit explosion than the DDDTL. <laughs> no one wants to deal with the DDDTL, I'm telling you. Okay, what's the D D B D T L? DDDTL or triple DTL, I like to call it, is the doo doo down the leg. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you get the call from your child at preschool, usually preschool, sometimes maybe kindergarten. Um, uh, 
uh, Mr. Jones, uh, this is Mary at uh, Devin's uh, preschool. Yeah, I got a cold. Don't, don't, don't fucking judge me. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're calling because uh, Devin had an accident. There's a there's there's levels of accidents to me, and I always got mad when people would say that to me. An accident is when you skin your knee and the bleeding won't stop. Right. When you pee yourself. And there's a change of clothes. That's a mishap. When you shit, yeah. So it runs down your leg. <laughs> That's at least your, an emergency. Exactly into your sock and your shoe, and your kid is standing there <laughs> wailing as like this. Oh, it was so horrible. Oh man, wow. Okay, that reminds me of. Um, so I had to get my daughter to the doctor, and you mm-hmm. know how it'll get like you time it down to the second. So you're pulling your kids everywhere, right? Just hauling them by their necks. You get Mm -hmm. them in the car. You've got enough minutes. I'm literally turning up the street. I can see the doctor's office. It's right there. And she just vomits all over everything. We live in a cold climate. So uh, she's wearing a full snowsuit, boots, everything. And this is so, like, it's just so bad that her boots are soaked Everything on the top layer of this kid is soaked. So I've got like three minutes to get there on time. So I call them from the bathroom while I'm trying to clean up as much of the mess as I can. And, uh, you know, tell them I'm going to be late, whatever. I get it all sorted out as well as I can. But I'm sitting in this doctor's office in the wintertime in Canada with a little, uh, you know, toe-headed one-and-a-half-year-old. She's just walking with no boots on, no oh. jacket, and in stockings and a dress, right? And there's these, mm-hmm. like, two or three middle-aged women also waiting for the appointment just staring daggers at me, right? Like, what are you doing with this little girl? Don't you Why know it's don't winter? You give her, you give her your shoes. You give her your shoes now. She, she can see how it feels. Yeah, she doesn't even have shoes. Oh my god! Like you could see them just like losing it, right? Like how how far would I have to go to call child services right now? Like that sort of thought. It was brutal. You, you know, I I. I... Hi, I'm Rashani. I'm an asshole. Hi, Rashani. <laughs> and um, I have done things to push people's buttons. Like I will have my kid's shoes um, in like a backpack or something like that. And they'll have a coat and they'll leave the coat in the car and they'll hop out the car or whatever. And it'll be cold outside. And they won't have a coat. And I'll have my coat because I don't I'm not stupid. <laughs> so I'm rocking my coat, my nice pea coat or whatever. And they're standing there walking around, holding their arms, rubbing them up and down their arms and stuff like that, <laughs> trying to get warm. And I'm looking at them. And people will come past me and they'll look at my kid freezing and they'll look at me with my jacket on looking all warm. And you know <laughs> that they're thinking, why don't you just give them your coat? And my mindset is always the same thing. I'm not the one who forgot my coat in the car. <laughs> the coat is literally right there. If they turn to me and say, Daddy, I'm cold, we will walk right back to the car and get it. Yep. I don't know what's going on in this kid's mind. He could be hot. He could be running a hot spell. I know women have hot flashes. He might be running. I don't want to stop him. So yeah. it's like basically just fuck off, woman. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> 
Well, and I think it's do definitely have a different um, interior temperature. Like my kids and especially like down here, the water temperature, the ocean, the warmest it ever gets is 15 degrees Celsius, which is mm. not warm. It's cold oh. as fuck when you fall in there. And yeah. um, I've seen kids like, you know, as young as six or seven that live around here, just get in there and swim. You know, ten fifteen minutes playing around. Like I, I think they have a different amount Body. of cold they can take. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool on cold. Actually, I realized that at a very early age, it's important that um you realize at a very early age what you will and won't do yep. in life because it keeps you from getting raped. And um, I realized <laughs> at a very early age that I will not go to the snow um i went to the snow my dad took me to the snow yep. we we weren't actually going to the snow we were going to washington and we live i'm a cali boy i'm i'm west coast all the way right. um and so the coldest that i've experienced or how i like to experience is about 59 degrees outside um so <laughs> we're driving through through the mountains on our way to washington and my brother and i are just like going nuts oh my god there's snow outside we're like and owen you work with chills so you're not easily offended we are at that age where if you heard us on the telephone you didn't know if we were little black kids or little white kids oh my god it's snow oh my god dad look at the snow it is so tubular dad you you gotta let us outside in the snow oh my god it's snow okay so, wait so so you're telling me that you got so into it that you forgot to be cool for a minute i didn't even look wow honestly, i didn't know that happened to black guys that's what i'm saying it was so snow it was so new to me that drunks talk about blackouts motherfucker i whited out i was like <laughs> oh my god it's snow and so um my dad dealt with this for a good 20 miles and now that i have kids i email him all the time with apologies um he's never responded he hates my guts um but i would too after the shit my kids put me through um they made me get them a dog fuck animals anyway um look the the final blow was when i said dad there goes some more snow because, you know, seeing snow and then pointing out more snow pisses the parent off. Dad, can we go to McDonald's? And then five McDonald's later. That's the fifth McDonald's we've passed. I don't know if you know that. I'm helping you out. So my dad was like, you know what? <laughs> he pulled over on the side of this mountain. And he stopped the car. And he looked at his beautiful, beautiful five and seven-year-old sons right. and said, and I quote, Get the fuck out. And so, <laughs> and so we hop out. Yes, no, we're going to play in the snow. I had on sweatpants. <laughs> I had on sweatpants and some Nikes. My brother had on shorts and some Nikes. Neither one of us had on a coat because my dad's blasting a heater. So we just think snow was hot, apparently. So we just hop out. Yes, snow. And you hear one thing in the background. Click. <laughs> click as he locks both doors as we hop out into the snow and we're like yes oh uh-oh <laughs> cold as hell it immediately saturates the shoes the socks the sweats my brother's wearing shorts so he's literally crying while snot runs down his 
<laughs> and um, we were out there and we do the snowballs, or whatever. At first, you know, you're not thinking about because it's snow. So we do the snowballs and all that kind of stuff. And my stupid ass gets down and makes a fucking snow angel. No coat. No, nothing. Just snow. <laughs> so I make a snow angel. My hands are freezing. My feet are cold and numb and soaked through. My back is now all wet. My sweats are gone through. My brother's an asshole. So he flicked my ear while it's frozen in the snow. So now my shit hurts. Oh. And yeah. my dad's locked the door. No. <laughs> so it's like there's no way he's letting us back in. He said, you want the snow? You got the snow. Y'all got to play out there for at least 30 minutes. And he's sitting in there eating lunch. Looking at us out the window, I hate snow. I won't go back. <laughs> yeah, you got to respect it. That's definitely uh, no way to play in the snow. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> it's just like snow. It's like it's like driving past a fight. Like you see a fight out the side of the window as you're driving down the out, down the road or something. You're like, ooh, that's exciting. Sure. Ooh, just because you see it doesn't mean you actually want to be in it. You yeah, know, it's yeah. the difference between seeing it and wanting it. Well, the problem we have here is that we get like a little bit of snow, but it's basically the most useless snow ever. Like uh, one province over where my wife's from, um, they can still snowmobile in the wintertime, which mm -hmm. I'm telling you is one of the most fun things in the universe. Driving at like 90 miles an hour on a fucking snowy road snowy trail and if my kids are listening that translate <laughs> to 30 kilometers an hour um you know okay, that on, is good fun hold on hold on hold on so just so i know because i'm learning yeah uh, a kilometer is essentially three times what a mile is so one mile is three kilometers only if my children are listening and doing the math to me admitting what speed i drive on those things no actually like uh what is it 60 65 or something miles an hour is 100 kilometers an hour, I think. It's like 1.22 or 1.25, something Who like that. Who fuck stood up and said, hey, America, let's be different? I, <laughs> I get mad when I went to Germany. I was like, I don't understand this. The funniest part of that is you guys are being different by maintaining the British imperial system. Like, that's your way of showing independence is by... Copying with the it. ancient British method that they don't even use anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> That's revolutionary. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I oh, hear her man. laughing in the background. Now I feel like a stupid American. Oh, don't feel like a stupid American. There's no such thing. You guys are all very, very smart. You're just sometimes not schooled very well. well let's be honest. We got Florida in this motherfucker. Smart <laughs> American is an oxymoron at times. <laughs> at times. Uh, they same tried for to us. They tried to expel a little girl because her hair was in an afro. This is America for you. Sorry. 2013. Mm-hmm. That's Swing amazing. Boom. I'm going to sit back and eat this peanut butter cup because I'm an American, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so. I'm proud to be an American where at least I can eat Reese's. Oh, man. So we went and did the food drive today, me and my little guy. He's in Beavers. I don't know uh, what you guys have for scouts in America. Uh, what's your like, youngest ones? Weebelows? Weebelows. Yeah, okay, so that's what we were doing, going out, uh, getting donations from the food bank and shit. And at one point, he's talking about eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And, okay, when I was a kid, it was eeny, meeny, miny, mo. 
catch a tigger by the toe, right? Tigger! Yep. I don't think that's what it was originally, was it? No. Yeah. Man. Because no. tigers don't seem to holler or tiggers, but a nigga. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I was talking to him about it and I said it the way I learned it, because he says tiger, you know. But we said Tigger, so it clearly wasn't very well refined. You know what I mean? Like I hear the original version, you got to go down to like Georgia, deepest part of <laughs> rural Georgia, where they say it proudly, "Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a nigga." <laughs> a racist uh, beat poetry, man. That's terrible. Racist spoken word. You know what? I actually if he hollers, let if him he go. Hollers, let him go, <laughs> grab a rope, and find two mo. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Oh, my God. And I apologize you know to poetry would, in general for that one. Sorry. I apologize to non-racist poets. Yeah. There's I, a few I have of yet, them. I have yet, well, let me, let me, refine, let me, re, let me rephrase that. Um, I have about four friends that are deep into poetry. Like I write poetry, they do poetry. Um, Kai Love on Twitter, The Till Show on Twitter. And then there's two other people that I know. Oh, Poet Scene, so there's actually five. Um, but then there are some folks that I know who do poetry and you know, they just have a bad day. And so they just make that into a poem and yeah. it just turns into like the most outlandishly rude. Like there was one guy who had a, you, you knew, you knew, without him going further, you knew he had a fight with his baby mama. <laughs> and so the conversation was, <laughs> I do not claim to be a good man, but you got to understand that when I have your throat in my hands, you need to shut the fuck up. Now, <laughs> I want you to know that I didn't do what you thought I did back on those streets. <laughs> but I am going to put my foot into your ass if I ever again see my clothes on the grass. Holla if you hear me. I don't know if that's worse than the white equivalent, though, because I've been into this for a few years. I don't go to poetry readings anymore, but I used to. And the worst was like the, you know, 16-year-old white dude who just started writing poetry, and he wants to write a poem about writing a poem. And his poem is read as if Margaret Atwood wrote it. And he says, I have the pen in my hand. Or is my hand around the pen? On top of this paper, underneath the sheets of poetry. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's time you know to kill what? yourself. You it, know? It's something about, I, I love poetry. I love it. I'm not going to front because to me, poetry is creativity. Um, I won't get down on anyone who does it. I love doing it. But... It's that fake deep shit. Yeah. That just really makes you want to like 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 ugh. like when someone comes in and you know that they're supposed to be a rapper <laughs> but nobody will buy their album so they go from rap. It's like when an R&B star 
Uh, no one buys their albums anymore. Ruben Stutter. And so they turn into a gospel singer. <laughs> we know that you're supposed to be an R&B star. We know you're supposed to be a rapper. When you come out and your poem is, these fools be claiming they the homies. But where was you when the police was all up on me? <laughs> I'm in this jail cell feeling lonely. Holla if you hear me. <laughs> no 40 because I got no change. Your girlfriend looking at me strange. I'm going to be forced to spit my game. <laughs> Holla if you hear me. It's literally whole, just his rap book. like Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nothing more than just like hip hop. And it's like, <laughs> well, homie, you ain't fooling nobody. And yeah. then after they finish doing their poem, they're like, hey, man, you want a cypher? <laughs> That's good at like 160 beats per minute, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just going to say it like that. And that's the thing, like up here, I don't know if you're familiar with Margaret Atwood, but um, she really sort of, her and... Uh, well, a couple other people sort of really led the way in the late 70s as far as Canadian poetry goes. And she has this horrific monotone style that comes from basically not being a poet. Like she's, she can write amazing poems, but <laughs> she doesn't have a way of saying it. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, like personally, I, when I write, I hear the rhythm of it. I talk mm -hmm. it in my head while I'm writing it. Yeah. And that dictates what words I use. Uh, I don't think that's as much true for her. Anyway, she does this thing of saying each word like this. And like everybody did that for so long uh, that it just like she has a lot to answer for. You know, just. Yeah. 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 It's like you actually know who the person is, whose fault it is for all it is. Like as a kid, you always say stuff like if I knew who invented homework. I would punch them in the face. <laughs> well, children, we all know Margaret Atwood is the reason why people do poetry like this. Yeah. But and I, okay. Enunciate and, everything. And having slagged her off, I do have to say that she has just completed, uh, released the third of what, in my opinion, is like the best science fiction trilogy I've ever read. And I love science fiction. It's this huh. post, it's like this. Um, Basically, like a story starts in like maybe 50 or 60 years from now. A lot of the things that are being done now have been sort of moved up to commercially available, like a lot of gene splicing, mm -hmm. um, things like that. And um, it's sort of the story of what happens when this man-made plague wipes out everybody. But it's really different from your sort of standard zombie thriller type of thing because it's a lot more based around what, like there aren't a lot of people around killing other people at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like the good guys are sort of left alone and they have to build a society. It's just fucking awesome. Uh, it's called, uh, the first book is Oryx and Crake. The Oryx second and Crake and then the year of the flood. The year of the flood and, and then Matt Adam. Yeah. Do you know, you, okay. so you know this series? No, I'm looking at her biography right now. Cause I'm a huge, huge fan. Look, the I'm audio black. books are fucking no, insane. I, I wish I, I love the feeling of a book in my hands. And yeah. um, one of my all time favorite uh, book series as a whole is uh, Ender's Game by or Orson oh, Scott yeah. Card. Doesn't it suck um, that he's such a homophobic dick? And that that's what I was going to ask you. So good. That's what I was going to ask you. Like I, that just sticks in my cross so much. 
but his books are so great. It's like here in America, um, and somebody just mentioned to me a little while ago, you know what? It's all America. It's all one continent. Shut the fuck up. Um, here in America, <laughs> there's this uh, actor by the name of Terrence Howard. And Terrence Howard is this black actor who puts out some really interesting movies, sometimes good, sometimes bad. He was in Hustle and Flow and all these other type of movies where he, hey, man, and he taught with a Southern accent, even though he's not Southern. And then he played in The Best Man Holiday. Overall, he's a great actor. And you like the fact that he's a great actor so much that you want to overlook the fact that he literally punches women in the face for a living. Like. What? He, he he has been in so many domestic violence situations oh, really? and just over the top stuff and you just but he's such a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna like him. And he's in those romantic comedies and then he just leaves that and just does something else stupid. So Orson Scott Card is in that same like yeah. I, I I love his writing. And I've never been an apologist. Oh, but somebody tells me, like, if Chill was to come up to me and we were have, to have a conversation about Orson Scott Card, I wouldn't have any way of defending him. Yeah. But it would be like, have you read his writing? And, you know, I figure that somewhere in the world, there's a guy who is, like, virulently racist against black people. There's, like, a, a ex-Klan member or a fringe Klan member or somebody, Militia, who just hates us, who is probably the best author in the world and i would just <laughs> love their books and i would just like oh just a, a it would all just appeal to me so much but they're a racist so i would never know it yeah i'm really glad i read his books before i knew that honestly it's, me too i don't think i can pick them up now it's mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a major conundrum i don't know i don't want i I, I take comfort in the fact that I only ever rented his books from the library and shit. So <laughs> I never actually paid for any of his work. But I, uh, yeah. I, I took a few home and I made them my own. And, and <laughs> then I found out. Like, I read his books in um, high school and in college. So in high school and in college, I don't know if, if it's like that everywhere. And I don't know if it's just me, but I didn't really learn anything. Um, in high school and college that wasn't written in a classroom. So my teachers were just like, read this as an assignment. They weren't like, read this as an assignment. By the way, he's a homophobe. So, you know, I'm just reading it, and I'm like, this is great. And I'm just chewing it all up and eating it all up. And about five years ago, I found out that he was a homophobic yeah. asshole. He only really started talking about it once gay marriage became a political issue. Isn't exactly. Right? I, I think that's where he basically decided, hey, I'm going to weigh in about this. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. And that one is so... It's so difficult to, you know... I just... I can't personally... Can't let it go when it comes to shit like that. But at the same time, I am probably not going to buy it before I listen to it, but I'm definitely going to give Eminem's new album a chance. So what does that say about me? That you like Eminem? I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. But he's here's my, you know, he's not speaking. Gay people should like, have no rights. He doesn't exactly. Say that. He exactly. says some stupid shit, but it's yeah. No, let's let's rephrase that. Eminem. Eminem has said some stupid shit, but but hip hop as a whole 
has said some really dumb stuff <laughs> in regards to homosexuality. Yeah. Let's be completely honest here. That's very true. Like, like there's a song called Punks Jump Up to Get Beat Down. And yeah. the song Punch Jump Up to Get Beat Down is all about beating up homosexuals. Like, and they played that on radio stations like they didn't care. Yeah. People were, I love that song. And even now, it's like their only hit. And people don't care. You know, people are able to, everybody is able to draw up this line of why it doesn't affect them and why it doesn't offend them and why it doesn't reach them until it's something that affects them. And then they're like, why aren't you offended the way I'm offended? Yeah. That's the way that I figured it out. And I, I learned that through Twitter. I learned that through internet life. People will do something that you just find absolutely abhorrent, just absolutely. Ugh. And everybody else will be like, what's, what's the big, what's the big issue? And yeah. then somewhere down the line, They'll do something that just offends that person who wasn't offended by what you were offended by. You won't be offended. And it's like I tell my wife all the time. I tell her all the time. And and to know my wife is a adore my wife. She's a great person. And I tell her all the time, one day you and I are going to be mad about the same exact thing at the same exact time. And when that <laughs> happens everybody's in trouble. Like, she'll be mad about something. I'll be like, you know what, baby? It's not that big of a deal. It's not. Don't even worry about it. Just let it roll off your back. And I'll get mad at something. She'll say the same exact thing. One day, somebody's going to fuck around and get us mad at the same time. <laughs> and that's when we're going to turn the devastator. <laughs> that's good. That's a good balance. How long have you guys been married? Actually, we just hit our seven-year anniversary yesterday. Wow. And how long were you together before that? Well, we actually work together, and I do not date people that I work with, so I quit. And wow, um, nice. on the I, I say that like it's sweet. I thought she was a snitch. She thought I was an asshole. And then we actually <laughs> got to know each other. And that's the thing about perception. Um, <laughs> when when we worked together, we um, worked in the same office, but we ran in different circles. And um, one day. When I, again, got a new job and left this old job, I was doing a party to celebrate my freedom. We were going out to dinner, me and two of my friends, two of my guy friends. And one of my guy friends had a crush on this girl. And he was like, dude, I want her to come with me to your party. And I was like, I don't care. And he was like, but she won't come unless her friend comes. And I was like, who's her friend? And he was like, Nisha. And I was like, the snitch? She wasn't a snitch. <laughs> I just thought she was a snitch because, again, perception. So I was like, oh, and he was like, please, man, she won't come unless she comes. And so that was the first time that she and I ever went out together. We went out. So then his girl that didn't like him in the first place would go out and she didn't even end up going. So it was just me, Nisha and these guys. And we had a great time. And then we had another date, like a few days later. And um, we went to a winery. I don't drink wine. I don't like wine. I'm not a, a fan of wine right. but she likes wine so i was going to be the designated driver um and we hung out that day and that's you know at, we clicked we that's really, a pretty smart second date right there i gotta say yeah because you want to get them drunk exactly so, and this um, is the only way you can do it and be like no i can't get drunk you have all the wine in the world but i have I, to drive I'm exactly. to keep yeah. you safe. Like one it. most ship so um <laughs> it ended up being that the woman that 
I would have never had the opportunity. It's it's funny. It's really funny the way life works out. Um, because the woman that I honestly, uh, 10 years ago, never thought I could have been seen with, now I can't see myself being without. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what I always tell my kids. I'm like, you know what? Um, first impressions are important, but they're not everything. Yeah. And you don't have to live with that first impression. Uh, because quite often our first impressions are wrong. It's so true. My wife actually uh, hated my guts bad <laughs> the first time um, I met her. I apparently, and I don't hardly remember doing it. I brought up a story or um, something, something that was going around about her uh, that uh, she was t- sick of talking about with people, and she was just like, "Oh, fuck this guy," and left the place immediately. Like fucking irritated and that was her mm-hmm. first impression so luckily for me that didn't stick exactly and it's like if we just went off of that first impression and i preach sometimes i don't mean to but it's, it's like if we just went off that first impression in every walk of life do you realize how closeted we would all be um so true we we don't give everybody and that's the big problem that i have um, with myself, but with the world as well. Um, Twitter, Facebook, the world, my job, anywhere. We don't give people second chances. It's like we've taken that to heart. You only get one chance to make a first impression. Yeah, but that second impression could be pretty strong too. Yeah. So don't just box them off as, oh, they're a loser or they're a this or they're a that. Give them an opportunity. Sometimes... You know, those folks can really surprise you. Yeah, it's true, man. And it's uh, like, especially with this whole podcasting thing, I've noticed like the number of people out there that will just sort of give you a chance to like, you know, I've I've gotten some guests I couldn't believe I got. Like the last episode I released was Don Barris and he's a mm-hmm. fairly famous dude. And he just was like, yeah, sure. I'll talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, and there's been a few times that's happened and it really, I, f- I find it sort of a measure of somebody when they're willing to, you know, give somebody who they have no idea who they are a chance and just sort of be like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yep. Yeah. It's cool and, shit. How long have and, you been podcasting anyway? Let's see. Like you're over a hundred uh, single simulcasts, right? Like, yeah, I'm at episode 128 for wow. single simulcast, plus the 13 episodes I did for my 24 hour um, extra life uh, marathon. I did 20. I tried to do 24 podcasts in 24 hours. Wow. I ended up doing 13 podcasts in 24 hours, but like four <laughs> of those podcasts are literally three hours each. God damn. So, that worked. And the next day, I sounded like this. Um, <laughs> my wife told it. me, she literally told me I'm not allowed to do that again. Like, if you ever get bored or if you just want to, you know, either or, go to singlesimulcast.com, find the Extra Life podcast, and listen to the very last one because I sound like this when I <laughs> first do the introduction. Um, the Crypt Keeper. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, my son is six. So I have been podcasting for at least at least uh five years wow nice at least and i know that because my son has grown up on podcasting like if i have i had a show called the daily grind Mm -hmm. um 
back in 2000 and something um, where he would end off the show. His first words were like, peace. <laughs> I, I close out the show. DJ say peace. And he said, peace, peace. <laughs> and um, then I, well, well, the first podcast I ever did was a show called um, the off topic gamers. And I was supposed to be a guest on their show and came in and talked so much. They named the episode Rashani says, and then uh, they were just like, you know what? Do you want to be on the show? And I was like, sure. Why not? Um, and then from there I went on to be on a show again, the daily grind, then off the top and then the gamers garage. And each of these things were just like things where I was learning, you know, learning about ways to produce things of that nature. I've had the experience of putting out a podcast that's like 400 megabytes when it really should have been 40. I've had the experience of doing an entire show on audacity. And then the show just eats up on you at the end (sighs) and you lose all your data. So you learn to save as you go along. Like literally you got to stop and save this thing. Since you mentioned that, just give me one second here. Learn to do is always make a backup. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I try to do that. My only problem that I have with it is that, uh, usually when I have a glitch on one end, my backup also gets a glitch. I don't know. uh, It's weird. I, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think the biggest problem that I have technically is that I have a really shitty internet connection. So when yeah. it's, you know, when there's a lot of people coming, like I live out in the country at Fairways and, you know, our 3G network sucks. So I've always wanted to live out in the country, but now I realize that I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> people get killed in the country. Like I, 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 I hate mail could be sent to single soundcast at gmail.com. White people are safe <laughs> in the country. Black folks go out to the country and things happen that just shouldn't happen. I'm not going to argue with that one, man. I'm not uh, in any way, um, like, I've definitely, there were lynchings around here back in the day, but they were here for sure. You know, the like Nova Halifax especially was really bad for that. Although we do have uh, communities here that, like, a lot of the ghettos here are in the country. They're mm-hmm. just like they took them as far as a horse and wagon would go at the time and dropped them off. Like, see ya, you know, uh, and that you was know? their free, their free land they got for fighting for the British. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Ya. Here's some fucking pine forests. Have a good time, guys. Enjoy it's the winter. Like, on the, like you know? on the Simpsons. Thank you for coming out. Uh, we've already unleashed the hound. <laughs> yeah. uh, have a good evening. It pretty much was <laughs> right. Like. Okay, how far can we drive these horses before they have to turn back for more food later tonight? That's how far we're going to put yeah. those guys. Like, yeah, it's- yeah, because we're actually like five times more concerned about the horses than we are about your black asses. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, we're going to stop here because the horses look tired. Yeah. If y'all could walk about 20 yeah, miles yeah, more yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't look back. Here's all Don't your stuff. Back. Go ahead. Yeah. See you later. Oh, it's brutal, man. <laughs> Halifax is, yeah, it's sort of, um, it's, it's a really unique case uh, in North America, I think, because, like, there aren't a lot of other places where black people came to the came to for the same reasons. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is one of the only places people fled to from slavery. It was a big destination for the Underground Railroad, and um, were basically given land by the British when they thought that this area would be totally worthless. And they were actually like Africville. I don't know if you know any of the history about Africville, but it was um, in a part of Halifax. It's now a bridge 
but it was really sort of prime land eventually. And it was so like, they had to pay taxes, but didn't, couldn't go to the hospitals. That sort of bullshit. They ran railroad tracks through residential streets with no warning signs, no nothing. Oh, like, and then they bulldozed it in the sixties and, uh, took all the kids out in garbage trucks. Seriously. Really? A friend of mine, um, she actually wrote the, uh, well, an acquaintance. I would, I don't know if we hadn't seen each other in a while. Anyway, she wrote the, uh, UN, um, declaration of, uh, uh, crime against humanity. Like it's, Mm -hmm. um, and I actually helped her edit it. And, uh, yeah, she actually remembers being a child and being trucked out of there in a garbage truck. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, what I need to do is I need to study up on this because I had never, and it, it always amazes me how much I, I'm myopic. Yeah. You know, I, I say that and, um, my, my, my being myopic isn't just limited to other people. Um, <laughs> I tend to just like, <sighs> well, I, mean, I love I love Clove. I love Shirley. Um, I love my homeboy Jacob Wilson. He's also dope. Yeah. Um, and and Wall Street Will Strickland too. Um, and and Sweets Watson and all <laughs> of y'all. But I just tend to believe that y'all just live in northern Michigan. And I I know that Canada's a real place. <laughs> and and I just like I know Mexico's a real place. But I I don't go there. So when I, I talk you. to you. I just feel like you're standing on the border, like you're right there in Michigan (laughs) wearing a jersey. And later on, you'll just go back to wherever you came from. And that's why I never concern myself with that history. But that is so... Africa feels fascinating, though. And it is unique. And like to be fair to you, Nova Scotia is often used uh, interchangeably with Saskatchewan as a punchline joke for middle of buttfuck nowhere. Like, yeah. you know, you hear you hear people on TV going to Nova Scotia as like the farthest fucking place from the world. And just so you know, five, uh, almost six hour drive to the Michigan or to the main border. Mm-hmm. So it's way the fuck over. Um, but like they uh, they were not like there was there was nothing given to those guys and um it was still basically like a a mecca for a lot of people back then because it was the only black settlement on uh like this side of canada really like you could go to montreal before you'd find any significant population of black people and there was a huge one here africville had a lot of people in it so and i mean over the years they built uh smelters uh bone meal plant Every disgusting fucking industry you can think of, they put right next to them. Um, and like I said, like train tracks through the middle of fucking streets, uh, no warning lights, and and uh, yeah. And then they fucking uh, bulldozed it, built some of the most densely packed uh, public housing in the world, in, in North America, stuck everybody in it, and then wonder why there's crime issues now. It's, uh, it's nuts. Um, I definitely have to look into it. I yeah, mean, check it out. It's uh, it's just Africaville without the A. Africville. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh wow! I, I feel I love learning. As <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I I actually am a a, a sponge for learning. So, yeah, yeah. um, I definitely will take a look and nice. I hope my local library has some insight on it. If not, Google it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff uh, on the internet about it. Um, the uh, Africville Heritage Trust uh, has a whole website, so I, mean, I wouldn't be hard to find. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So you uh, did an episode a while back where you were talking about um, uh, basically like uh, work and uh, I do a lot of episodes where I'm talking about (laughs) like basically you're talking about the McDonald's guys um, and sort of saying how like like you really don't have a lot of sympathy for people that work at McDonald's like that's, that's pretty much your fault. None. And it's an interesting position to me because whenever I've heard guys uh, on other podcasts who are white talk about that, my immediate instinct is like, oh, you're a privileged dick. Like your your privilege is, is sort of making you think that anybody can go get any job they want and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me like. And, and I've heard other people um, on black podcasts talk about it before. It almost f- feels like a lot of the time you guys are talking to other black people. Is yeah. That, is that, that's what's going on, right? I'm not misinterpreting that because it's never really openly said. You know what? I, I feel so strongly. And my wife and I, again, I, I, we took a political science class together yeah. uh, a few years back. And found out that when it comes to certain things, we both lean heavily, heavily conservative, like welfare. Right. And 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 Section 8 and all that kind of stuff. And I have family who will never, ever, ever try and pull themselves up. I have friends, both black and white, mostly white, who will never, ever ever try and pull themselves up because as long as they're where they are, somebody else will take care of them. And I'm like, what type of example? I let you come around my kids with that freeloading mindset. And so I know somebody who has a significant other who has worked at McDonald's for literally now 17 years. Oh, yeah. Literally. And it's like they're not trying to find anything else. They started doing it when they were in high school, and they just stayed there. And you can't tell me that when you've been in a place, look, yeah, the economy is horrible, Rashani. Yeah, motherfucker, the economy's been bad for about 10 years. Yeah. For about 10 years. You could have found something else. I can stumble over a job in 17 years. You can't. McDonald's does not afford you the lifestyle to be able to not look for another job. And everybody I know was always told, don't quit a job before you find a job, but don't get this job unless don't you find a job. So then you can find a job. Yeah. And, and, and it, it always just pressed my buttons where people are like, you know what? Now that I'm in this situation where I placed myself, I put myself here because I didn't want to try harder, because I didn't want to look for other stuff, because once I got here, I settled. Whatever the circumstances may be, I don't have the education. Whatever the circumstances may be, I put myself here. Right. And now that I'm here, I am unable to leave for whatever whatever situations. I have a record. I have kids. I have no car to get to another job, whatever it is. So I want you 
to change what's been set in stone for your industry forever, forever, dog. Right. I want you to change that to suit me because I'm not going to try and find anything better. I'm not going to try and get promoted. I'm not going to try and do anything, but you service me. And like I said mm. in my show, my daughter is now 16 years old. She's going to find her first summer job this summer, and she's going to find a job at McDonald's. And when she finds a job at McDonald's, if they pay her $15 an hour, why is she going to want to leave? You're really afraid of that being an issue? Like, to me, it's like, why shouldn't people who are making that kind of money for McDonald's get paid that? Like, that's for me, it's always from that sort of union perspective, right? You of, know what? I'm, I'm with the union, and the union, uh, at my job, again, last week, lined up at the McDonald's across the street from my job and, and, and protested. And I'm all for that. You know, it's your freedom. Yeah. It's your right to protest for what you don't feel right about. But... No one ever said McDonald's was a job where you're supposed to make money. As a matter of fact, McDonald's has historically, historically been that place that people make fun of. Nobody wanted to work yeah, at McDonald's. But all that applies to the coal mines and every other employment vehicle that's ever been unionized and people have ever been paid a fair wage for. None yeah. of those places were ever historically good paying before but, that. But, you know if I mean? you, but if you know... That your job's not unionized, that they are against unions, and that they're not going to change. Why even go there? Yeah, you know, that's a point. But then also, um, why shouldn't they be unionized? Fuck them. They don't yeah, get to choose that's, that. That's absolutely the true. And if, and that's absolutely true. And if they <laughs> did unionize them and Walmart, I'm all for it. Look, yeah. look, if they... If something happened and the Lord opened up the heaven and said, I bless you with unionization, McDonald's. Okay, no problem. You guys won this battle. Basically, and and hallelujah. And people doing backwards like the Blues Brothers. If that happened, so be it. You know, you guys won this battle. But until that happens, which it looks like it never will, because they're in the back laughing at, 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 at the McDonald's workers. Like, we'll hire people off the street who are more than willing to come in here and get $8 an hour. Yeah. I mean, Walmart Again. is sitting there like, look, we need y'all poor people to donate your money to these poor people that we're forcing to work on Thanksgiving because they can't live without it. Look, in those situations, you see it for what it is, and you start making power moves. When I am looking for a job or when I'm in a job that I don't like, I do what I call flooding the market, which means I'm putting in at least 30 applications a day. I'm sending them everywhere because somebody's going to want me. I don't just sit back at the work and put my feet up and say, man, life is so hard. I hate my job. If you hate something, do something to change it. Don't just try and get the money changed because that's not a plausible goal. What is a viable goal is you getting more education, you getting another job, you getting a second job. These are things that can happen. I see your point for sure. And I get, I get what you're saying. I guess I just have, um, uh, a different view as far as plausibility goes. Cause I feel like that's how every decent paying job ever became a decent paying job. You know, like my, my trade, I'm an electrician. 
and um, you know we make decent money, pretty good mm-hmm. money, you know, generally. But there was a time when you know we worked for the company and they paid our rent, and by the time we'd done paying for our clothing and our own tools, we owed them money at the end of the day, right? Like that's mm-hmm. how things used to be before unions. So in my mind, the McDonald's thing is just like you know, if they can, uh, you know, sure McDonald's is laughing at them, but they're laughing at them because that's what you do in a PR situation. Any company knows they have no company without their workers. That's the indeed, math. indeed. You know, but so, but, but this isn't just for McDonald's. About this isn't just about yeah. McDonald's with me. Um, this is about any low wage paying job that you step into where you don't try and do anything else. And I'm sure I I offended a ton of people and I don't care because when I have, when I, when my dad, when whoever, my brother, anybody that I know has never been without one job, more than one job at a time. Like I will work at, 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 at where I work at right now. And I still find a second job. I will still find a second job because the second job offers me things that the first job can't. Like I worked where I work at now and got a job at a video store so I could get free rentals so I could stop <laughs> using Netflix so that we could start saving money. Nice. It's that little thing. And when that job ended because the whole video store shut down because Netflix won <laughs> yeah, that battle. Yeah, yeah. So when that happened, I went back to my job and started coaching. Or before that, I was like on that show. I talked about working in a lumberyard. And messing up my shoulders and all that kind of stuff and plotting and planning a way out. Do you know what happened after that? I went and got a second job as a basketball referee, as a (laughs) high school referee that paid me $35 per game. And you know what? It's not that difficult to do. People just got to pay the fees, ask the questions, figure out how to get in. But there's opportunity. Yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. Like people are so quick to um, blame anything for their inabilities and And that's the big problem that i have is that people are blaming instead of looking like my a family member of mine said that they have adhd and that holds them back from getting a job and i'm like no man you're saying that but that's holding you back from wanting to get a job like you're looking at it like i can be on disability for this and let me take it and i don't want that i don't know i don't know if it's the whole world. I'm quite sure there's people out there who work at McDonald's who are going to school, just like there's strippers who are going to school. Just yeah. whatever you're doing to better yourself. Sure. But the people I know in my neighborhood, in yeah. my block, in my family, they're losing. Yeah, and I don't so, know anybody at that point in their life. I can totally see where you're coming from that way. And so for that, it wasn't so much a huge, it was a huge rant, and I still love it because, like I said, if you see me coming into McDonald's, motherfucker, you better go on break. <laughs> but which happened, it's happened before, but it was in Maryland and like, it was a basketball team that was stopping off on our way to the game and we came in like 12 deep and the woman saw us and said, uh, I'm on break and she dipped and it was awesome. She <laughs> may have gotten fired because my mom flashed. Um, so but, how, many, how many kids do you have, Rashani, with all these jobs? I have four. Four, I have kids. four kids, wow. Uh, ranging from 16 to six. How do you have and any time at all, man? I podcast at like midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I will when the when we get home, we get home at about five thirty, six o'clock. Kids eat dinner, do homework, whatever. Um, Hang out with them, watch TV with my wife for a while. Wife falls asleep or she starts 
fading out. And then I stand up at about 9, 30, 10 o'clock and come into this front room and do a two-hour single simulcast. Wow, man. And then edit it and put it out at about midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and go to bed and wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to take my wife to work. So it's just, you you, you know, yeah. It, it's a love. Do you have super high ceilings or is that a little bit yes, of I do. reverb I do you have put super, on your voice? No, I've always wondered about that. I always thought it was like reverb. You know what? I actually turned the reverb off on GarageBand and it's just the ceilings. Like it's just we, the ceilings. Wow. We, um, I'm, I love my house. And yeah. it's it's a beautiful place, and I'm very fortunate to have it. Uh, we got it at a very nice rate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the front room is still pretty much – there's a Christmas tree and a table and this desk. So <laughs> it's it's a huge echo. Yeah. And somebody – I did a show a few weeks back uh, with this guy named R.D. Reynolds who has this website called WrestleCrap.com. Yeah. And – um. Very proud of that show. I was very proud to put it out because he's. I've been going to his site since like 2000. Nice. So to get him on my show, you know, that's that was like big for me. Yeah. And um, I put it onto his website as well as my website, and it was a 20 minutes episode. And um, one of the guys from WrestleCrap listened to it and said, "Yeah, R.D., you sounded great." But the guy who was interviewing, he sounded like he was on God mode or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't help it. So. <laughs> We are we. I'm um, I'm looking into other ways of blocking out the. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I've had great, um, great uh, results with uh, couches and uh, egg cartons. See, and we're gonna um, get the couch. That's that's our next focus is to get this room to actually look like a front room instead of just looking like a throughway to the rest of the house. <laughs> Because you come into this room and all you see is bookshelves and a computer. Yeah. And it looks like, you know. A student like a, lives here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically, yeah. it looks very Spartan. Yeah. Spartan-esque. Yeah. But, the know, big furniture and, cuts off like so much of it, I've found. Like if you just have a big sort of plush piece of furniture or two, because it cuts the corners, right? Like the, the issue is how, how far apart your corners are that bounce mm -hmm. down back and forth. That's why you get that reverb. So if you can fill out one of those corners, that's why people, you'll see like the blocking done at an angle in the top corner. That's, that's like, it, it's because it's, it's the corners that really cause that echo, so. And it also uh, helps block dumb kids who slide across the floor um, with no socks, with with socks on. You'll just hear my kids on every show just yeah. like passing through their back. You'll know. You actually, if you listen to single simulcast, first of all, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But um, you can totally tell what time of the day I record the show by what type of activity is going on in the background. Yeah. If it's completely quiet and all you hear is my reverb verb that's when i'm recording like 10 o'clock at night <laughs> if you hear a dog outside that means it's about five o'clock on a saturday <laughs> and if you hear all of the kids plus my wife talking to the kids about homework like you can literally tell what time it's like a it's like a time stamp Man. my family is just like serious about it so I don't know. I, I couldn't. I, I think it's awesome to have the opportunity. I think it's awesome to have them on the show. Um, but it's two sides of a coin that I'm not going to give up for anybody. So yeah, totally. um, people always ask, you know, do you get paid for that? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't. And they're like, why don't you ask for donations or something like that? And I said, you know what? I have asked for donations. I just 
I feel so strongly that there's people who need and deserve that money more than I do for podcasting. Like, I can't just hop onto my show. And this is just me. It's a me thing. I feel bad saying, can you donate money to me? Um, Can you give me money that I don't really have a need for? Um, so then I could buy a new microphone that I could actually afford on myself if I just saved up for two weeks. Sure. And you might go without something. I don't want someone else to go without so I can have. And and it's weird, but it's me. Like, I was telling somebody, and, and you know, this is how my show goes. I just jump off on the tangents. I was telling somebody that I was watching um, a movie today, Flight, uh, the Denzel Washington movie, where he's a drunk uh, pilot. Um, who crashes this plane and all this kind of stuff. And the movie is good, but I realized that I literally cringe when people get embarrassed in a movie. Like, this this isn't even in real life. Like, if somebody's getting talked down to or embarrassed or they're about to get found out or discovered or something like that, I find myself getting, like, concerned for their well-being and this is a made-up character (laughs) so yeah i i I think my empathy level needs to be turned down just a little bit because right now it's on 50 and i need it on 12 (laughs) but if you ever wanted to donate to my show if you ever thought about it or anything like that god bless you from the bottom of your heart from the bottom of my heart rather god bless you and thank you but go give you know what the money that you were going to donate to me, go find a homeless person and buy them lunch. <laughs> yeah. I just find there's a lot more projects out there that, you know, are more worthy. Like for us, it's a bit different because I'm, you know, not very, I can't really afford the stuff that I've put in on the show over, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of time that I have. I've found a way to do it, but you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not easy to do. And I do have, you know, technical stuff I'd like to do better. But exactly. at the same time, I can't be consistent. And I'm not going to pretend that I can. So, you know, put out the best product that I can. Somebody wants to donate. There's a donate button there. But, you know, I'm not going to beg for it very often. It's certainly not like I would do this anyway. You know what I mean? I I just feel blessed to have as many listeners as we do and all that stuff. So, Exactly. And I, um, I have four shows. Single simulcast, Sin and Silas, <laughs> The Dream Team, and 20 Minutes. Sin and Silas comes out so sporadically that the last episode before this new episode that came out in last month, I think, the one before that came out, and I want to say July. <laughs> so, yeah. And then The Dream Team, look, I just like to talk. And I like to have a conversation. If my wife was on the phone with me doing this show, I would never need guests. Yeah. It would be a completely in-house thing like every single time. But I just want to have a conversation. And that's how I do single simulcasts. If you're not there, I'm going to have a conversation with myself. I yeah. talk to myself because there is no one to talk to. So why do I want you to pay me to do what I would have done whether you were here or not? Yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. At the same time, the people that <laughs> do make their living that way, um, I like more power to them. You know what oh, I mean? indeed, like, indeed. Rod and Karen, I couldn't be happier about that. You oh know yeah, I mean? and that's that's that's. I did a twenty minutes with Rod, and we talked about that because it is an absolute joy to be able to do something that you adore doing as a job. 
Yeah. And that's what they're doing. And I respect the heck out of that, that they were able to have the opportunity um, as well. Not the opportunity because the opportunity came about because he was lost out, but he lost his job. But the ability to do it, uh, the faith and the listenership that that was behind them to be able to do it. And if you have those things in your corner and you have a need and you're able to do it or you're just able to do it and you want to do it, knock yourself out for me. It's the people like Adam Carolla. Yeah. That and and I like Adam. I've liked him for a long time. I think he's hilarious. But if you're a millionaire, why am I giving you a donation? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I and I look, I'm gonna sound like I'm hating. I swear to goodness I'm not, but dude, Jason, whatever, um, the, the dude who made um, Clerks and all those sort of things, and now he has like this huge um, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, yeah. Kevin Smith, you're a millionaire. Why am I donating $10 to you? Yeah. I, I realize I love your shows, but why? And, and some people are just like, you know what? If you have it, do it. But if you have it, do it for somebody who needs it. And that's always going to be my refrain. Yeah. Help out the people who actually need help before you just say, you know what? I have, look, before, I'm not going to loan $10 to my homeboy who has a better everything than me before I pay my bills. Yeah. So how do you do the music? Like, do you have rights to that? How does that work? (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll just cut that part out. Uh, (laughs) Moving right along. Uh, (laughs) Um, um, I've. I, uh, yeah, I find music in the best places. That's perfect. Nice. Um, so, oh, speaking of music, um, okay, do you know where the term the blues came from originally or one of the, what no. would you say? I would say, see, and that's the problem with hip hop. Um, the, when someone says the blues, the first thing that pops into my head is Warren G., because he had this thing before one of his songs where he said, the blues have always been totally American. As American as apple pie. As American as the blues, but <laughs> as American as apple pie, the question is why? Why do the blues feel so at home here? Well, America provided the atmosphere. You still haven't really explained to me where the blues came from. <laughs> You're just placing the blame on somebody else. So I honestly don't know. Well. One theory that uh, I've heard that's really interesting, and um, this particular information I got came from a website uh, called, okay, so uh, the, the title of this webpage made me laugh. It's uh, Black and Whites, Come On, Let's Living the Blues. So it seems like someone from Japan wrote it, uh, and this could be true. I don't know. It's uh, blackwhiteandblues.wordpress.com, and basically they are saying that uh, the indigo dye um, back uh, in the 1700s, indigo, like purple dye, is very rare and very expensive. And one of the first slave crops um, here was indigo. It, it only grows in the tropics, and it was very valuable. And it's specifically very valuable in dyeing cotton. And actually, Levi Strauss invented the blue jean, uh, and this was a major, major um, economy for for the slave uh, plantations uh, in the South. And it's a bright blue color, right? Well, Mm -hmm. it turns out that, as a matter of fact, the West African cultures at that time used indigo in their mourning ceremonies. So... 
uh, if your relative died, you would actually take this plant and dye your clothing blue, and and the you know as a that would show your mourning instead of wearing black. So hmm. these guys are uh, enslaved, brought over here, you know, set to work, and they're fucking using the plants that they were using for mourning ceremonies, and it's you know. Um, pretty fucking common that they're going to be using it, and for a long time they did. So, the origin of blues music, or the the name the blues, is uh, one of the theory is that it comes from that. That's absolutely fascinating. I thought that was so interesting when I heard that. Yeah, and I didn't realize that like the dye for the blue jeans and the material for the blue jeans were both slave crops, and that they were both like. Because what's more American than blue jeans? You know what I mean? It's just... Slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great fucking blue jeans ad. <laughs> what's more American than blue jeans? Slavery. Levi Strauss. <laughs> just, Levi just, loose just, cut. <laughs> just a picture, in, and I can see the poster now at, at uh, a Levi store, and it's like an Instagram picture of three separate things. On the left side are blue jeans. On the right side is apple pie. And in the middle is slavery. <laughs> and it's, oh God, everybody would get sued. <laughs> Dave Chappelle dressed like a slave in between, <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> this oh, is, man. This is I don't get invited on more shows. I'm, I'm, I apologize profusely. Hey, don't apologize to our listeners. They listen to us, so, you know. So what do you do for work? I work uh, with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a decent and, job. Um, so I deal with people all day, every day um, who need help. And yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I could see that for sure. I had a pretty good incident the other day with a ticket a meter guy. Because, like, they get yelled at so much, and they're just doing their jobs. Like, there are assholes in every job, but generally speaking. And so he's basically putting the ticket on my car, and I walked up and talked to him. And, yeah, because I didn't yell at him, he was, like, giving me all these tips of how to make sure that doesn't happen again. And exactly. All this stuff. So you got to spread the love around, man. Exactly. And it, it's, it's such an easy idea that just never gets utilized. But just show respect. You know, treat people how you want to be treated. And sometimes it'll work out for you. Sometimes it's not. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to resonate with everybody. If you're a nice guy, some people just won't like you because you're a nice guy. Yeah. Some people just won't like you because they're having a bad day. But the majority of people in the world are good people. Yeah. And they will um, tend to appreciate that. And so if... If you've ever wondered, well, there's two ways, but if you've ever wondered, Rashani, how do I get free food at the restaurant? <laughs> how do I get better service at the restaurant? How do I do this or that at the restaurant? Let me tell you how to get better anything at a restaurant. Call your host, hostess, and server by name. Yeah. Don't just say, hey, you. Don't do any of that disrespectful, degrading, demeaning stuff to them. Treat them like they're a person. Include them in your, um, like, don't act like they're interrupting your time when they're doing you a service. And every time you see them, 
actually be nice. If they provide you good service that first time, ask to speak to their manager and tell their manager that they provided good service. You know, that whole <laughs> feedback thing that podcasters beg for and never get. Yep. Neither do service workers. Yeah, that's and true. If you, the difference is if we never get feedback, my show will still come out next Tuesday slash yeah. Wednesday slash whenever. If they don't get good feedback, there's a good chance they're going to get demoted. Yeah. So if you give them good feedback, there's a good chance they'll get more tables. Yeah. So yeah. if you're the person, like if you say hi to the manager, hi, my name is Rashani. This is my wife, Nisha. We wanted to let you know that insert yeah. server's name here was a wonderful person and we had a great experience with yeah. them we love coming here and them being our server made it so much better i will guarantee you that the next time you come out there if they are your server again and you will ask for them your food will be hotter yeah. Yeah. Your service will be better. They will be more attentive to you. Yeah. And other people walking past will start doing things for you because they're like, oh, that's the server. That's the person who said the great thing about this server. Maybe I've had people who I don't even know. Like Nisha and I walked into a restaurant one day that we've been going to for a while. And we're standing there waiting for um, to be taken to our table. And one of the chefs or whoever is a steakhouse, one of the chefs or whoever who worked behind the counter cutting up the meat calls me over to the counter and said, these steaks right here with the marbling right here, these are our best steaks. Pick one. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Pick one of these. I said, okay, I'll take that one. The biggest one they had. I mean, it was like gargantuan. <laughs> And he takes this red pen and sticks it into the middle of the meat. I promise you, I will make sure that you get this meat when you want it for this price. And so <laughs> a $29.99 steak that should have cost $58 yeah, yeah. tasted like a $70 steak. Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult to be no. nice to people. And, you know, like I've got, you know, desserts from sending compliments to the chef and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's good to, you know, give people that good feedback. The other alternative thing, like I was um, working in this uh, office building that's attached to a hotel that's attached mm -hmm. to a casino. So there's some douchebags walking through the hallways and um, they have like the actual bell, bellboy, bellhop porter outfits. Mm -hmm. And... I see this white woman come tearing around the corner and there's a gentleman of African Nova Scotian descent wearing one of those outfits just going up in the elevator and she looks at him like they'd been having a conversation before and I really hope they had because otherwise this is totally unacceptable. But she goes, where's my friend? Like as if he fucking <laughs> stole her or something. And the guy's like, um, I don't know, ma'am. I'm not sure. And she's like, fine. And just fucking starts storms off. Right. And we're, you know, in our construction worker outfits, but we don't have company name tags on. So as she's going away and this elevator door is closing, I just go, wow, what a cunt. And uh, she turns around like shocked. And I just saw him smiling as the door closed. As, uh, he went off in the elevator. So that was nice. You know, I don't get yeah. to do that as much as I used to. But <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I and, hate when people are dicks to service people. You know, it's and, so and fucking cowardly. Exactly. And it's like, look, these people are providing you. And I'm going to sound. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to sound like a hypocrite. Because <laughs> people... Out here, at least. I don't know about everywhere, but people out here, if they're able to get into certain 
service industries like the steakhouses where you get a hundred dollar tip if you do good work sure you're in a good place yeah that's good work you know so um if you have somebody who's busting their shoulders for you, making sure that you never have any issues, that your every need is taken care of, if you do not see fit to do anything more than just slap money on the table and leave, you know what I've always, well, not always, but recently I started to feel a lot like if I'm just slapping money on the table for these people who do great service for me, I just treated them like a prostitute. <laughs> you did this great service for me. You and really just close your eyes and imagine that like it you're like like it is a prostitute. You did this tremendous service for me. You did everything I asked you to do. You did it better than anyone else has ever done it. Here's $20. Here's 20 bucks. See ya. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> See you later. I'd much rather give you $10. If if that's what I got, I'll give you $10. And I will tell your manager how awesome you are because I am under the assumption that in a restaurant industry where service is everything, if someone tells your manager that you provide good service, that's going to be more of a boon to you than me giving you money. It's it like really a, is, yeah. It's like giving a person a fish and teaching them how to fish sort yeah. of thing to yeah. me. Yeah. No, I can see that for sure. And it definitely, like when I was a waiter, that was a huge big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and and now in the industry that I'm in, I remember, like that's my big bonus slash issue. I can't forget stuff. Uh, so people come into my office and I'm calling them out by name and they haven't shown us a badge or anything like that. Yeah. And I'm calling them out by name and they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I remember. And it comes from working in the service industry yeah. where remembering people's names would get you a better tip. It will make them feel more comfortable with you. Um, and in a situation where there's 60 tables and 30 employees and there's a every restaurant, unless it's a fast food place like McDonald's, every restaurant has a certain day or a certain time of the day where stuff pops off. It's yeah. that premium time to work. It's the evening time in certain places. It's lunchtime for certain places. It's the weekend for certain places. Yeah. For like IHOP, it's Sunday morning. Sunday morning is when you'll make a killing at sure, IHOP. Yeah. These are things that you inherently know. And so you will compete to get into those spots because the people who have the seniority or whoever sure. has the, 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 the wherewithal to get into those spots aren't trying to give them up. It's like being the number three running back in a two-back system in football. You know, not a, <laughs> not not Canadian, but American, because I don't know what the hell y'all do in Canada. I, um, I, I didn't even know you guys played football. <laughs> but, um, it, American football. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's like being the number three running back in that situation. You right. know you're not going to get in there unless you show and prove. But if you show and prove and nobody ever says anything, like you're just spinning your wheels. Yeah. So if I notice something, it doesn't matter where it is. Like um, sometimes... Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I will listen to one episode of a podcast, just one. Right. And I will like it enough that I will leave you a review. 
I will leave you yeah, me a review yeah. saying that they do good work, that they work well together, this, that, and the other. And then I may not ever come back, but yeah. I feel like I have helped you out by leaving that review. Oh, for um, sure. Because that's getting you on iTunes, it's getting you into the new and notables, it's getting you into the what's hot. It's getting yeah. you wherever you need to be to take that next step. And I feel like that's not asking for too much. It's not... It doesn't kill people to be nice. No, it really doesn't. And that's the bad part is that nowadays we feel like it's a sign of weakness. It's a setback. It's a uh, thing to be taken advantage of. If you're nice, you know what? I'm Rashani, and while I am an asshole, I might be the <laughs> nicest asshole you've ever met. Like I'm the well-shaved, always washed asshole. Okay, and and if if you know me, lightly bleached, n- basically, you know, an enema, and I'm like <laughs> perfume I'm, and all, nice. Yeah, yeah, you know, I wipe all the time, like even when I don't have to, just to be sure. There's no streaks on me, and it's like, um. People who don't know you will have these assumptions, but the people who do know you, the people who know you well, the people who know you well should have a completely different mindset of you than the people who don't know you. Unless you're just nice to everybody, which not everybody is. Um, What was it? I was just thinking about something. Um, You were talking about your butthole? Yeah, I was, because it's my friend. Um, <laughs> we've been through a lot of shit together. <laughs> um, um, we, um, I was at church one Sunday. And uh, the pastor said something so profound that I just sat there. And I was like, you know what? That's what I want to be able to do. He was like, you know what? When you die doesn't matter what the random people on the street say about you. It doesn't matter what your boss says about you. What you want is that when you die, people come up to you, your parents, your children, your whoever come up to you, and they're able to say, he was a good man. The ones who are around you all the time are able to say, he was a good father. He was a good husband. He was a good man. And that's what I really invest myself in. But um, the people on Twitter, the people I podcast with, the people I pass by on in the lanes, if you ask them, um, the words may range from naive <laughs> to nice to a dick. Yeah. But to the ones who know me, if you ask them, they'll say, you know what? He will do anything. Yeah. Anything for you. Once he, he's loyal, once you got him, he's there. And and that's what I want to try and do. I want to show loyalty in a place where it seems like from the beginning, everything is so cutthroat. Yeah. And it's like none of us are getting paid for this. I mean, Rod and Karen are, uh, Clove and Shirley, I think, get a donation to have the premium. A little bit, yeah. Um, and then I'm, uh, Phenom Black and Where's My 40 Acres, I think they get donations. But, but it's not enough speaking, to really... Yeah. Yeah, except for Rod and Karen, there in this in this group in this, I look at podcasting like like we were talking about earlier, uh, science fiction. I look at podcasting as galaxies. Sure. 
in this podcasting galaxy that we are a part of, yeah, there's not that many people getting paid from no, it. No, there really isn't. And 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 if you look at this galaxy that we're in, this podcast galaxy that we're in, if you really look at it, we're that galaxy that is inside of Orion's belt on um, Men in Black. It's inside of that cat's collar. Yeah. And and it that's a cat that's inside of a larger planet that's inside of a larger <laughs> universe inside of a larger yeah. galaxy. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's like you know what? What are we fighting for? Yeah. It doesn't make we, any sense, man. It really exactly. like podcast beef is just foolish. Exactly. I had an idea a few years back, maybe last year, maybe the year before. I did some roundtables. I did the hip hop roundtables, which turned yeah. out really well. And then I was gonna do. Uh, video game roundtables, and I was going to have a bunch of people who do host video game podcasts come together and talk about their favorite video games, and then we were going to decide on what the best video game of all time was, and right, it was going right. to be glorious, and I was so excited, and then, oh, I don't like this podcaster. Oh, that podcaster only gets Ugh. 25 listens in a month. Oh, God. this podcaster doesn't do nearly as well as I do. And all of this... Lame. Lame dickery. Like, really? Really? Like, wow. why? Well, this podcaster has never been to E3, and I've been to all of them plus packs. And it's like, really? And, and I don't understand why we can't just help like yeah. me personally. And I'm going to say this on your podcast and then I'm going to say it on someone else's podcast and someone else's podcast until it finally takes the support. Your own movement is real. Yeah, it is real and it needs to happen like yesterday. And here's how real it is to me. Everybody nowadays is on stitcher radio. Yeah. And everybody who has Stitcher Radio gets this little widget that you can place on your homepage that will then um, people can go to your homepage and find the latest show on Stitcher Radio. Right. I have told so many people this and nobody is taking me up on it because I don't know if they think I'm joking or what. But if you have a Stitcher show and you send me on an email the widget for your show I will put it on my website. Oh, nice. So that then your show gets the listens that it deserves from all comers. I have been dying, dying to do a page on my website that is nothing but other podcasts you should listen to. And instead of it being links, it is literally just the, the Twitter, just the widgets. That's sweet, man. Yeah, I'm going to send you ours. Please do. Yeah, you yeah. will be the first. And I have told literally fifty people this, and everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, nice." Well, crickets, man, crickets. I really appreciate you coming out. I appreciate I've, you having uh, me. Got to get going here. I'm getting up in the morning with the little ones, but it's yep. been uh, really fun chatting. I've got like an entire page worth of stuff we didn't get to, so hopefully you'll be willing to come back soon. You know what? I am. Whenever you are need me, whenever you have space, I will be honored. And as I have said multiple times before, you and Chill, you by yourself, Chill. Well, Chill's already been on doing twenty minutes, but yeah. y'all are always welcome. Oh, thanks, man. Always welcome. Like there's been times that I just hop on um, Skype and I'll see somebody with a green check mark next to their name, and just like, dude, uh, dude, dude, I need you to be on the show. So. <laughs> 
like you're literally nice anytime yeah so thank you so much for having me um again i just want to say thank you to my wife for keeping the kids away from me um (laughs) and i want to send shots out to azure j and scar from the dream team um and everybody who listens like really listens like not just oh you know this episode is up i didn't hear anything you said but you know the intro music is dope (laughs) everybody who really realizes that we take two hours three hours four hours five hours to get these shows out to you and appreciates it um if you've ever stood up and applauded at the end of a movie send feedback to your favorite podcaster (laughs) seriously so seriously if, if I see one more person stand up and applaud at the end of a movie and it's like they can't see you, send feedback to a podcaster. If you've ever um, felt some sort of way about something that your podcaster did or said or whatever it may be, let them know. Let them know what resonates with you. And don't give the excuse that I don't have enough time because you do. Yeah. Who doesn't? You really, really do. But again, Owen, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, this was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. Totally. We'll have to do it again soon. Indeed. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. You make me feel like I'm living in Paris, France, when everybody speaks English here. And nobody wears berets, well some do, but they're just strange. This crap macaroni and cheese, tastes so fettuccine alfredo. shit. Even lunch and meat becomes mignon filet. You make me talk backwards when I'm around you, love drunk. Can't concentrate, you make me feel like I'm worth a million bills. Even when I only got eight in the bank, I feel like I'm swinging on a tree swing. Feet up, drop kicking a cloud, the luckiest boy in the world. Because of you, I'm singing out loud I love a girl this much from the tip of the middle on my right Right across my chest to the tip on my left Stretch, now multiply that by Buzz Lightyear Get it? No? Never seen that one? Infinity and beyond And I'm sure other boys have told you they loved you before Truth is they lied I love you more You make me write love songs In love songs And my songs are always sad But you make me happy So happy My friends never knew I had teeth And when we kiss it feels like I'm on a soap opera Right down to the dip Even when it's a pet goodbye In the front seat of your whip Vic Newman above the lip Well, not quite The wind blew me in for meatballs And I'm your Balky Yesterday we were strangers And now we're perfect So don't be ridiculous I feel like I'm swinging on a tree swing Feet up, drop kicking a cloud The luckiest boy in the world Because of you, I'm singing out loud I love a girl this much From the tip of the middle on my right Right across my chest To the tip on my left Stretch, now multiply that by Buzz Lightyear, get it? No, never seen that one Infinity and beyond sure other boys have told you they loved you before truth is they lied cause i love you more